Hey, this is Luke Baker, and you're listening to the Tea Talks Podcast. I gather people in my living room and have my friends give short talks on anything they find interesting. We sip on tea, eat Pop-Tarts, and cultivate a community of curiosity. These are those talks recorded live in my living room with my friends. Hope you enjoy. We were to get a line, and we were to break it up into two sections. One long section, we'll call it A, and one short section, we'll call it B. By definition, the golden ratio is the long section A divided by B being equal to the total length of the line, which is A plus B, divided by A, long section. And we get this number. To the left of this, we see what looks like the golden ratio rectangle. Now, we can extrapolate this a little bit further. If we were to take this rectangle and then add another section to it and make it into a larger rectangle out of that golden ratio, and we were to do it again, and then we're going to do it again, we can do it again, we keep getting a rectangle within a rectangle, within a rectangle, and then we do it again, we get this image, the golden spiral. Gaudí was an architect in Spain, born in the 1850s. He was obsessed with the connection between nature and art. One of his most notable quotes is this, the creation continues incessantly through the media of man. He put it another way by saying, originality consists in returning to the origin. One of my favorite debates is if there is such thing as true originality. I don't think there is. That's why I like Gaudí. But Socrates gave me another perspective in regards to this conversation perspective of a mathematician. In this talk, Socrates shares with us a golden number that lives all around us, and even within us, and he shows us how one number is a signpost toward our origin. I won't steal much more of his thunder, but I will say, this was the most delightful math lesson I've ever heard. So, put your pencil down, take your seat, and listen to the gold we share. When I was choosing the topic for today, I was thinking to myself, I was like, okay, 90% 90% sure I have a topic, but I made one goal to myself. And the goal was for at least one of you guys, when you leave out of here, to be able to look up at the stars and then look at a plant or some flowers and realize that you are just as much a part of that as it is a part of you. So I want to bring the connection, and I know this is going to scare a lot of you, of math and art together. And no better person can do that than my favorite theoretical physicist and considered one of the greatest in the 20th century, Richard Feynman. So Richard Feynman, from a young age, born 1918, was uh, highly encouraged by his dad to be very curious, explore the world and ask questions and just go nuts with everything. So, I mean, he expressed that at the age of 12, I believe, when he burned down his own room through a science experiment. But luckily, you know, he made it out of that. And as he got older, he was able to express that intelligence by doing his undergrad at MIT. He got his PhD at Princeton, so a very bright guy. But then World War II broke out while this was happening. And all the bright guys, the government says, we need you, we want you to build a bomb. So the Manhattan Project was going on. So he was working side by side with Opperman, Oppenheimer to build this atomic bomb to the end of the war. And then that's just a glimpse of his success in his future. Eventually, he went on to get the Nobel Prize in physics. 
He also was part of the committee that discovered why the Challenger in 1986 exploded and took the lives of some very brave astronauts. But what made Feynman such an amazing person and so famous wasn't his achievements, was actually his love and passion for life. As a professor, kids would flock to his classroom to listen to his stories, listen to him express his love for nature and physics because he would go crazy. And one of my favorite stories from him was back when he was working on the atomic bomb. And he was always had a lieutenant next to him because they always escorted them everywhere they go because there's bright minds, you can't, go, can't get them lost. So the lieutenant brings him to this room and inside this room there's this long table and then there's blueprints everywhere. Here's the thing, he's a bright guy, but never once did Feynman ever read a blueprint in his life. So he starts thinking to himself, oh crap, what's gonna happen next? And these two engineers come up to him and he goes, Mr. Feynman, great, you're here. We need you right over here. Would you look at page number two? This is the power plant we're gonna build in order to enrich the uranium. So we have carbon nitride coming down from these pipelines. And over here, you have uranium nitrate coming down from this side. And they're going up and down, up and down. This is where he goes through and it's going through. And he's looking at these blueprints. And then he thinks to himself, I have no idea what's going on right now. And these two engineers think I'm a genius. So he keeps, they keep going, they keep going. And he reaches a tipping point. And this is the tipping point where every one of us have been. It's where you wanted to say you don't know what they're talking about, but you're a little bit too far in the conversation. <laughs> and then it's too late to say it because then they'll be like, what are you talking about, sir? You should have said something. I, don't, I guess that's what engineers talk back then. I don't know why I had an accent. <laughs> so anyways, these engineers are like, bloop, 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 bloop. So he's thinking to himself, I see a lot of squares and X's on them. And they look like windows. There's got to be windows, right? There's, there's X's squares there, X's squares there. But he says, no way, it can't be a window because there's like, they're not only on the side, they're on the inside. But maybe it is a window. Maybe it's a valve. Maybe it's, I don't know. He says, oh, I have an idea. What if I just picked a random spot on the blueprint and just said, what would happen if this valve went down? And then hopefully the engineers would say, well, Mr. Feynman, that's not a valve, that's a window. So he, t he takes a risk. He goes on page three on this huge table and he goes, what would happen if this valve goes down? And then the two engineers, they go over the blueprint and they say, well, if that valve goes down, it's, they look back and forth. And then the other engineer comes around and he goes, well, Mr. Feynman, we always knew you were smart, but you're a genius. <laughs> so they immediately start rolling up the blueprints and they laugh. The lieutenant goes, he says, I always knew you were a genius. And he says, well, forget about it. So that's just one of his typical stories and he loved life. Later on in life, he started going on and branching out into the artistic world. He started drawing, he started painting. And in that time, he came across a lot of artist friends. And one of the conversations he had and I'm going to pull it out because if I try to say it, I'm going to mess it up. But here's a quote from him. I have a friend who is an artist and has sometimes taken a view which I don't agree with very well. He'll hold up a flower and say, look how beautiful it is. And I'll agree. Then he says, I as an artist can see how beautiful this is, but you as a scientist take this all apart and it becomes a dull thing. And I think, boy, that guy's kind of nutty. First of all, the beauty he sees is available to all other people and to me too, I believe. Although it may not be quite as refined aesthetically as he is, I can appreciate the beauty of a flower. At the same time, I see much more about the flower than he sees. I could imagine the cells in there, the complicated actions inside, which also have a beauty. 
I mean, it's not just beauty at this dimension at one centimeter. There's also beauty at smaller dimensions, the inner structure of all the processes. The fact that the color of the flower evolved in order to attract insects to pollinate it is interesting. It means that insects can see color. It adds a question. Does this aesthetic sense also exist in the lower forms? Why is it aesthetic? All kinds of interesting questions, which the science of knowledge only adds to the excitement, the mystery and the awe of the flower. It only adds. I don't understand how it subtracts. So that alone just gives you a glimpse of the philosophy and the outlook that Feynman had on life. Now, with that being said, I was asking myself, how can I bring that connection to all of you? And honestly, the answer is pretty simple for me. And that has to do with a little magic number, which we're all connected to for one reason or another. Isn't it beautiful? Because <laughs> <laughs> it is an irrational number, just like pi or e. It just keeps going. It is symbol for phi, which is most well known for. But what exactly is this golden ratio? Well, by definition, the golden ratio is if we were to get a line and we were to break it up into two sections, one long section, we'll call it A, and one short section, we'll call it B. By definition, the golden ratio is the long section A divided by B being equal to the total length of the line, which is A plus B, divided by A, the long section. And we get this number. To the left of this, we see what looks like the golden ratio rectangle. Okay. Now, we can extrapolate this a little bit further. If we were to take this rectangle and then add another section to it and make it into a larger rectangle out of that golden ratio, and we were to do it again, and then we're going to do it again, we could do it again, we keep getting a rectangle within a rectangle, within a rectangle, and then we do it again, we get this image. Now, there's a few things you're probably wondering. One was that spiral. That spiral is known as the golden spiral. It is formed by looking at the edges across one side to the next side. It connects, and it continues through. Those numbers, those numbers are Fibonacci numbers. Uh, it just so happens that whenever you add the two numbers before, so we do 1 plus 1 equals 2, 2 plus 1 equals 3, 3 plus 2 equals 5, 5 plus 3 equals 8, and you keep going through and you keep getting these numbers. As you start increasing, we actually start getting closer to the golden ratio, which is 1.618. But what exactly does this mean? Well, it happens to occur in every part of nature. One of the main areas is it actually occurs within our DNA. So DNA is broken up into a helix, but we have a minor groove and a major groove. And the ratio between these grooves just so happens to be this golden ratio. It's pretty cool, but it's not only by the length of it. If you take the length by the width of it, we also get 34 over 21, which is a Fibonacci number, which is the golden ratio. And you're like, okay, coincidence, possibly. But it only makes sense that if it's within our DNA, it only extends to our bodies, to ourselves. One of my favorite ones is the distance, and everyone can look at themselves between their head to their belly button and their belly button to their feet. We have this golden ratio. And if we extend our hands down, the distance from our head to our hands down to our feet against the golden ratio. But then it occurs again within our hands, our arms, even our fingerprints, despite the fact that every human being has a different fingerprint that's indistinguish that is distinguishable and different. It has this golden spiral within it from our ears to our nose, our placement of every single body part. But now it extends even to further parts of nature. We have the golden spiral within this beautiful rose and all flowers. When you look at the distance between a stem of a leaf to the total length of the leaf, we get this golden ratio. 
even the placement of seeds within a sunflower, and even shells, they all follow this Fibonacci golden ratio spiral. So it's starting to become not much of a coincidence, but just a part of nature that you can see. It even goes into other things beyond us as humans. It goes into insects and fish and many other animals, dolphins, sharks, whatever it might be, bumblebees. And they'll have this ratio between the abdomen and the body. Every aspect of it is created using this great golden ratio. I know there's several photographers in here and I myself dabble in the photography, but I'm sure many of you who haven't done photography have heard of the rule of thirds. Rule of thirds actually stems from the golden ratio. Now, for whatever reason or another, and we don't know why, if you learn composition, you learn one of the first things you learn is through the rule of thirds is that there's no explanation to it, but for some reason, this just looks good. Like you look at this photo and you say to yourself, damn, that's a fine photo. And like, you don't know why, it just is. And that's just the rule of thirds. And if you were just to slightly move this photo a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, you're gonna say, mm, a little off. And that goes with everything. But it's not only with photography, it also happens within art. Some of the most famous paintings from the Mona Lisa to this one, which I don't know the name of and I didn't look it up, so it, yeah. Uh, it all follows the rule of thirds. But what that tells me is that it doesn't just go beyond nature and the way we're created. It also influences what we believe to be beautiful. And could it be because it's in some weird way we feel a connection towards something that shares something with us? That when we see something that has the rule of thirds, a piece of art, or when we see a flower that's made of the rule of thirds or a shell, whatever it is, we start to think to ourselves, that thing is just a part of me as it is vice versa. Could that be why we look at it and we say, wow, this is beautiful. But we don't really know why. It even influenced architecture throughout history. We don't know if it was intentional or if it just so happened to be, but from the Acropolis and Parthenon to the Great Pyramids, it all follows the rule of thirds. Even if you look at the Eiffel Tower, you'll see the bottom to the middle stem from the middle stem to the top has the golden ratio. But where it starts to get really crazy is that it's not only physical things, it is within the motions of nature as well. It, wind is just wind, but for whatever reason, whenever there's a hurricane, it follows this pattern of the golden ratio. Whenever a wave is created in the ocean, it follows this golden ratio. It's almost like a formula that dictates everything in nature, from kinematics to statics to us. Even the slow formation of continents have followed this golden ratio. And my favorite one of all is snowflakes. See, snowflakes, what's so beautiful about them is not one snowflake is ever the same as another one. It's just created. Rain falls down from the sky, and at some point, there's a chemical reaction. It turns from a liquid to a solid as it freezes, and it creates the snowflake. But the stems of the snowflake turn into this golden ratio. And it's just, it just happens. There's no reason as to why. We don't understand why, but it just is. And then as we take a step further back, it's even within our planets and our galaxies. When you look at the rings between the outer ring and the inner ring, golden ratio, and from this larger ring and even closer, and from the planet as a whole, it all follows the golden ratio. When we look at the formation of our galaxies and where stars are placed, 
It is part of this golden ratio. So my question to all of you is, or as this quote says, perhaps the ubiquitous hidden mathematics of nature are the reason all beauty exists. Whether you believe in God or you don't, there's no question as there is some formula, some number that dictates our creation. And to me, that's a beautiful thing. That means we're all connected in one way or another and in ways that we can't even imagine. And if that doesn't make life beautiful, I don't know what does. And whenever you have a bad day, a lot of times, at least for myself, I'll look outside, I'll look at the stars, I'll look at the plants, and I'll realize we're in this together. Thanks so much for the thoughtful talk, Socrates, and thank you all for listening to another episode of the Tea Talks podcast. If you enjoyed it, would you mind giving us a rating? It helps other people from all over the world hear these little talks from my living room, or you can just text it to a friend. Regardless, thank you so much for your support, and as always, stay curious and stay kind.